Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help visionary business leaders to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my amazing business partner, Al McDonald. Can you tell I like him today? Al, how's your day going? Well, the day's going well because, of course, it's Podcast Friday, which is always an exciting day. Yes, it uh, is. We always have the opportunity to talk to some great people, and we're halfway through the day as of as of right now and had a couple of great guests, and I'm expecting big things from our next guest, not to put too much pressure on you or anything. Yeah, exactly. So next guest, I've known in some fashion for quite a few years now, but I didn't get to meet him until recently, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Our guest today is AJ Jetha, CEO of Market Circle. And uh, what is Market Circle, you ask? They are a developer of award-winning Daylight CRM for Mac-based businesses. Daylight powers small business teams to handle more clients, close more deals, and execute more projects. At our firm, Al introduced us to Market Circle back in 2005, and we have watched the platform evolve. And I'm at the point, AJ, where... I honestly don't know what I'd do if I didn't have daylight to uh, keep all the tasks that I need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, and even yearly task list. I just really rely on it so much. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to, uh, great to be with you. So AJ, let's dive into it. So I'm always curious, you know, speaking to other entrepreneurs, and I love hearing these stories, how did the idea for the business come about? Because I don't think we're, you know, we're not sitting here at 11 years old thinking, oh, a CRM, yeah, that sounds good. So how did it all start? <laughs> so actually, it was a circuitous way of, of getting to where we are today. So we started, or I started the business as a dot-com back in the dot-com era. And the idea, the original idea was a negotiation platform where people would be able to negotiate for services or negotiate a price for selling something. And uh, by the time we built the system and went to get funding, the dot-com bubble burst. And, you know, I'm aging myself right there. But we were left with friends and family that invested with us. We had this platform. We had no path forward. What do we do? So we decided to go back into consulting, which is what I used to do before that, to pay the bills and to pay the friends and family back. And through the consulting business, we needed a way to track our deals and whatnot, you know, there was many times that uh, I was embarrassed by not following up on time or when I did follow up, but I did remember to follow up, I wouldn't remember the context. So those kinds of situations led to problems. And uh, we had a choice back then, either switch to Windows because we were, we were doing development on Macs at the time, either switch to Windows, use a CRM that was there, like a maximizer or a gold mine or something like that or use our own. And now, you know, we were thinking nerds that we are, well, how hard could that be? And that was what started daylight. And uh, it was our, our own need for it. And so now we are on our third pivot at this point, because first we were .com, 
then we went into consulting and we did uh, contract work. And then now we were pivoting to making a product after Apple kind of saw it and said, you know, you should sell this. And we said, well, we didn't build it for selling. We built it for ourselves and for maybe showcasing our ability to write software. One thing led to another. We started selling it. That was our third pivot. And then finally, our fourth pivot to being a SaaS business that we are today. And that's how we are where we are today. It didn't occur like it wasn't a big brainstorm that, oh, I need to make this product. It was out of necessity and out of a few pivots that we are here today. I know we talk to a lot of business owners and and we hear that word a lot coming out of COVID-19. You know, I had to pivot. I was starting a business right when the pandemic was hitting and I had to pivot. I had to change. I had to you know change the business plan. We forget about the dot-com, which, you know, it's a long time ago, but certainly not the health issue that we've got today. But yeah, there were a lot of companies that were starting up, like you said you, you were, and that was just a, a huge issue at the time, you know, just in terms of trying to run a business or, or even more start a business. So, so that's interesting that you were right in the middle of that. Again, you use the word pivot, which we hear quite often from uh, business owners talking about responding to COVID and that. So very interesting. Yeah, I think the big thing there is that it's not necessarily the original idea that gets you somewhere. It's your ability to adapt to the situation, whatever that situation may be, and come away with something that hopefully is good. It's like the old Kenny Rogers song, you know, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And unfortunately, a lot of people over the years that I've had as clients just held on too long. This was the idea. This was the dream. And this is what I got to hold on to and, and build. And, and unfortunately, when you don't pivot, I mean, that's the result. I mean, you just, you go down with the ship, unfortunately. So, you know, I love hearing those stories where, hey, it didn't start out to be this, but we pivoted and, and you know, for reasons that we didn't necessarily plan for, we were able to pivot, rebuild and potentially be even more successful than before. Yeah, it's it's a really delicate kind of dance or balance between perseverance, you know, and and knowing when to okay, no, you know what? I got to go now. I got to change, right? So it's it, it's difficult. It's not an easy it's not an easy thing. Absolutely. AJ, can you talk a little bit about what are some of the key ingredients or the driving forces behind you even just starting out and wanting to become an entrepreneur? So good question. Like I've been asked this question before and I've pondered a little bit. And I I think that what kind of really started me on this way was when I was a a little kid, I would see my uncles or friends, parents and so forth owning their own business and the benefits and the problems of it. You know, it wasn't just all hunky-dory or anything like that. And so from an early age, I I was kind of exposed to that and I kind of longed for that. I'm like talking like 10 years old, 11 years old kind of thing, right? And so I already had a kind of an inclination that, you know what, when I get a little older, I would want my own business. So that started back then. And I think that desire kind of led me to prepare basically to be able to one day have a business. I don't know if I answered your question properly yet, but, but basically that's one of the ingredients is that desire to own the business and then prepare to be able to do so. I think Robin and I will both can relate to that because growing up, we've talked before about going out and cutting lawns as, as teenagers to earn some business. And that, you know, that, that was the early step into being an entrepreneur. So it sounds like the foundation was built early on. I think so. I think so. I, I, th- I don't think it was like a late inspiration. It was like something I had a inkling for a long, long time ago. Now, Al, did you have the, the gas lawnmower when you were doing your lawns? Of course. See, I had the electric. I See, I had it really (laughs) tough. I had the electric. My dad had bought pretty much the cheapest lawnmower that he could get at Sears. And uh, there I was cutting the biggest lawn 
The extension cord allowed me just to reach the edge of it. I cut this lady's lawn for a couple of years. But again, similar to you, AJ, I knew early. I remember being 11 years old and you had to be 12 to have a Sunday Sun paper. And, and I prefer not to think of it as lying. Tony Robbins would call it using your personal powers. I used my personal power to get a paper route at 11 years old. So it's really neat to hear how other people, it, it does start early. For some of the other guests we've talked to, it happens later in life. And I guess you just never know where that entrepreneurial spirit is going to come from. So yeah, you never, uh, you, you never know. Sometimes it's not a necessity. Right. Yeah. Like in the case of my mother, it was out of necessity, right? Absolute necessity that she had to start her own business. And so she did. And yeah. uh, it turned out all right. Yeah. Well, we often talk about generating new goals and ideas. And again, I sound like a broken record, but you know, a lot of people had to pivot, especially with COVID-19 and, and the, the workplace changed and, and a lot of the dynamics changes we were talking about at that before we started recording today. In terms of new ideas, how do you go about generating those new, new ideas or, or you know, generating that new goal? Because for us, for example, we had come up with a three-year plan and I'll use a golfing term. And I say, well, we're going to take at least one mulligan year out of that. And again, we've had to pivot with what we originally thought. So can you walk us through your process to go through and generate those new ideas or goals? So I'll answer this in terms of maybe software or the product. For me, this is where it's interesting because I personally need like a couple of ingredients. One ingredient is understanding the system or how to manipulate a system. And then the other ingredient is a problem, like a problem that somebody's running into or, or I see a problem. And then I, I kind of said, well, how would I solve this problem with, you know, knowing how to manipulate the system? And I put the two together and sometimes the two together come out into a feature or something that people will enjoy. There's some benefit. So that's how some of these ideas happen, including some of the features that, that I know you use in, in daylight, for example, that that's how that occurred. And so that's for me, how I kind of generate ideas. It's not just me, other people in the company as well, but that's the kind of idea where you have a system that you know how to manipulate you got a problem on the other side and you see how you can solve the problem. And out of that, usually something comes up. But the ideas themselves, they're a dime a dozen. It then goes to like, how do you actually execute and break down those ideas so that you can actually do something about it? And so that's, I think, where the harder work is. Yeah, that's where I rely on my business partners, both Al and Joe, because as they will attest to, especially when I go off on vacation and I can step away from work, I will come back with a million ideas. And and, you know, sometimes we'll hop on a meeting and I've, I've been going for 20 minutes straight and I look at their faces and they're just like, oh my God, <laughs> that's why our partnership works. And it's why it's worked for so many years, because I'll come up with these ideas or Joe or Al will come up with the ideas. And then we're able to kind of shoot them down or poke holes in them and say, okay, exactly to your point, how are we going to execute that? So I'm eternally thankful for having business partners where nothing is off limits in terms of creating ideas. It doesn't mean where any of them are going to work. But we have a comfortability with each other where you can be vulnerable and say, hey, here's an idea. I need you to poke holes in it and see if right. it works. And some of those have worked extremely well. And others have been, that's not such a great idea. We'll put that on the back burner or that's just not going to work. And here's why. Right. So I think it's important to have people around you you can lean on and know that it's not going to hurt your feelings. Like Al and Joe both know you can shoot down an idea. It's not going to hurt my feelings because I'm just going to come up with another one anyway. Right. And I think it's important to have that trust among your partners. You'll highlight a couple of very interesting points. Number one is having the people around you that can help you execute, right? Uh, number two is having the environment where 
there's enough comfort to have a discussion and an idea being thrown out because really for every 10 ideas, one is good and nine are not that great, right? So it's really, really important to have both those ingredients in order to actually be able to do something about it. Quite often when we're talking to other business owners and entrepreneurs, the topic of curiosity comes up. I think by nature, entrepreneurs are quite often curious, curious about how to solve things, curious about how to do better with things to learn. So can you talk a little bit about what is it that you're curious about? And maybe more importantly, why? There's a few things I'm curious about. The first one that tends to is how does a system work? When I say that, like, for example, how does the body work? You know, and I'll dig into it and, and learn about it. And the same kind of thing then happens to like software systems or whatever. So then, you know, you kinda, how does this work? Like, you know, you kind of dig into it, you kind of do your research, you watch these videos, you go and read some articles and you understand it. And, and that curiosity is how you're learning. Another part that's interesting for me is why do businesses fail and why do businesses succeed? What are components in failure? So it's interesting when I remember I was telling you when I was a young kid, I would see, for example, my friend's parents having businesses or some of my uncles and so forth. And uh, one thing I observed very early on is never have a 50-50 partnership. You got to have a 49-51 because there's always little scenarios that somebody's got to make a decision. And if it's 50-50, there's a lot of room for fighting as opposed to 49-51 where somebody can actually make this call and I make this call. So that's an example of, I'm not sure what that example was for, but but anyways, that's that's, that's an example. Well, it might be an example of why some businesses fail because maybe they don't yes, have that's someone right. making that, 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 was making that final that was call, point. right? <laughs> yeah, that was the point. So so that was that was actually my point there is that, that one of the things I learned early on is like that kind of stuff can lead to a lot of problems. And so you don't want to do that, right? You want to avoid that problem. Exactly. So let's go back in time. 10, 15, 20 years, you're a very young entrepreneur. Is there anything mm -hmm. you wish you'd known when you first started out? Oh boy. One of them is the right people in the right jobs. I think that earlier on we got lucky, right? And we had the right people. And then as time evolved and, you know, things happen, we didn't have the right people in the right jobs. And the result of that is that lack of being able to be honest or, or being able to question ideas without feeling bad about it or anything like that. So the right people in the right jobs is, is super critical. What is extremely difficult in that particular thing is realizing that and then having the balls or guts to actually part ways when it needs to be done. And uh, that's not easy. That's a lot harder to do. So that's one of the things that I would definitely would have liked to know. But I mean, you know, you hear about it, but until you experience it, it's kind of tough. And then another one is as a business grows and you put processes in place and so forth for certain things, sometimes that introduces a, a whole bunch of waste in the system that then clogs the business. And you have to A, recognize that that's what's happening and B, also recognize that any new things that you're doing, you don't want to add to more gut that stops the, the wheels from turning. So that's another one that I would have loved to know many years ago. I think as entrepreneurs, all of us have that. Like there's certain things that we just love to go back and, and know. And, and unfortunately, I think it's one of those things, AJ, where you don't learn those lessons until you are in 10 or 15 or 20 yeah. years down the road. Because exactly to your point, I mean, we were a young company. We started out and you think, okay, well, we're going to do everything and, and here we go. And then you hire people and then you get down the road 10 years or, or 15 years and you realize that person is really great, but not in that role. 
and they're not enjoying themselves. So now we're in danger of them burning out and not staying with the company. So to your point, you've got to have the balls to be able to have that conversation to say, you're not right. And, and sometimes that conversation means you're not even a right fit for our company. And you feel bad about that because you're, you're maybe ending a relationship. But I think at the end of the day, you've got to make those hard decisions. And to your point about the ownership structure, at the end of the day, someone's got to be able to make those tough decisions in a company. So I usually push those off to Al. So we've got that in our firm, but let Al be the bad guy in some of those. But I think that's great information. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's not like anybody listening to this. This is not easy, right? Like these things are, are hard, but they have to be done. The other thing you said that I kind of noted was it would be nice if we could figure out some of those things and have people tell us ahead of time. But sometimes experience is the best teacher, right? Mm -hmm. you, you do have to go through some of those things and experience them. And that's the best way to learn. People can tell you all they want about how to do something, but you got to go through it. You got to feel it and learn from it from that perspective too. And another part to that is as an entrepreneur, you know, you're going to be constantly falling on your face, right? So one of the other ingredients is just the ability to kind of brush it off or laugh it off or something where you don't beat yourself up for it. Because if you do, that's a hole you don't want to get into, right? So you got to be able to say, hey, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm human. I learned from it. Let's move on. Exactly. You guys have been around for a number of years. You talked about already trying to start up in the dot-com bubble. So you've been through a lot. You've seen a lot. Can you talk a little bit about some good things that have happened? Some satisfying, maybe the most satisfying or a few of the most satisfying moments in your entrepreneurial journey? This is a good number. Some of them are, for example, winning uh, design awards, you know, Apple design, which are highly coveted. And so we have two of those. Other ones is just being able to survive like the dot-com situation that we spoke about. Then, you know, when we were doing consulting, we had indirect customers in, in the World Trade Center. And so 9-11 hit us hard. We were able to survive that. Then the 08, 09 financial crisis, we were able to survive and then transition to software as a service. We were able to survive and now thrive. So those are, you know, tough, tough situations. We somehow managed to come out on the other side. And so you feel good about it in retrospect, not necessarily in the moment. In the moment, you feel like crap. But those are some of the great things that have occurred. Then the other one is the ability to kind of dictate one's own trajectory because you kind of own the business or, or you have a business. And so those, those are some of the things that I feel really privileged and happy about that these things occurred. Maybe at the time I didn't, but, <laughs> but now I do. You know, AJ, our audience, we're very lucky. We're very fortunate. And the podcast has done well, especially since Al joined me. I think people kind of see how we play off one of each other and they seem to enjoy it, but we, they're very open with us and they give us a lot of feedback. And, and anytime mm -hmm. a guest shares, you know, their personal journey, the obstacles mm -hmm. they face, like the very first episode we did, we get so much feedback because as entrepreneurs, and I've used this example many times on the podcast, I have a buddy who's worked for a very good company, a Canadian company. And, you know, we get together, you know, toward Christmas and, and we went different paths. I went the entrepreneurial journey and he went the salaried route. And he always says mm -hmm. to me, you know, you're so lucky. Everything is just, it's amazing. You know, you just, and he, he almost frames it in a way that just everything is easy for me. I have to mm -hmm. remind him, I said, well, here's some personal struggles that I went through. And, and you actually know that, but you, you kind of forget that, I guess, because he grew up with me, mm -hmm. but every successful person, or at least every successful person that's interesting to me has faced personal obstacles somewhere along the way. So 
if you're open to it, would you mind sharing maybe some obstacles you personally faced and then how you overcame them? Sure. I mean, this question has been asked to me before. And I think the first time around, I didn't really give an answer that I kind of liked or thought too deeply about. So I have thought about it since then. And, and you know, it's interesting. At this point, when an obstacle comes my way, it's kind of like, ah, you know what? I've been through worse and I'll figure a way out. And so then you ask yourself, well, wait a minute, how, how did you get into that attitude? Like, how do you have that attitude? And for me, it goes back to when I was a kid. As an example, when we were really young, we got expelled from the Congo. So I was born in the Congo. If anybody has seen Hotel Rwanda, the place where the refugees go to is where I was born. It's a little town called Goma. And we were expelled from the country. We went through a few things and we landed here in Canada. I was four years old at the time. And my father passed away when we got here. Right. So we had nothing, very few clothes on us, no money no work, no nothing. We were lucky that people were gracious enough to have us uh, live with them for a little while and, and help us out and so forth. And we rebuilt our way back. And through all those like trials and tribulations of, of that process, like for example, for a little while, I lived in a little, little, little house that had no running water. Well, they had, you know, we had running water, but not all the time, like just a few hours a day. Same thing with electricity. We didn't necessarily have electricity throughout the day. And so I'd have to take a, a bath with exactly one bucket of water. That's all I got, right? And then in that same house, you know, we had flying cockroaches the size of, of my hands. So, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I, I survived that. So now when I look back and I go like, how am I able to deal with some of these uh, trials and tribulations? It's because when I was young, I was able to, you know, and when you, the thing is when you're a kid, you don't even realize that this is a real problem because that's all you know, right? And so you survive it. And then when you're older, you look back and you go, oh, I went through worse. I can deal with this. And so that's how you, I kind of overcome uh, some of the challenges. And, you know, there's been a number of, of challenges. I'm forgetting most of them. Actually, I think that's a human self-defense mechanism to forget those kinds of periods in your life because you don't want to remember them. You bury, yeah, you um, bury them down, don't you? It's so true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, it was only until recently that, you know, I started digging into like, why am I this way? Or why do I do this this way? Or why do I make these kinds of decisions? And it goes back to those kinds of experiences, which I had buried and had forgotten about. I've always said adversity builds character. And some of the most interesting people that I get to talk to have not had it easy per se. When I hear others chat about something didn't go their way, they didn't get the sale. And I think it's important to hear messages like this when they're listening to the podcast to hear, oh, losing that sale. Okay, well, I didn't get it as I said about it, but realistically in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing to be worried about. And you know, I find a right, lot of entrepreneurs, right. and I've said this before, a lot of entrepreneurs do get that feeling of the imposter syndrome because everyone is looking at them and say, wow, look at you, mm -hmm. you're successful, you own your own business. And meanwhile, any successful person has the same doubts that you or I would have or anyone would have. And then sometimes you do, you feel like that imposter, but because of you've been through so much more, you're saying exactly to your point, you can just figure it out. Like it's not going yeah, my way today. Yeah. Okay. I'll just figure it out. So I think that's a really important message for people to hear that, listen, you're going to face struggles, whatever part of life they're not going away. Even if you, you know, AJ, you got out of that as, as a child, but I'm sure you face other challenges in, as we're chatting about here with the business. So that never goes away. It's one of the reasons all my friends thought I was crazy. I trained in jujitsu for the better mm -hmm. part of 15 mm -hmm. years. 
And people say, well, what do you get out of that? Well, in jiu-jitsu, if, if you know anything about jiu-jitsu, it's, it's a very realistic martial art in terms of self-defense because we call right. it rolling. Some people would call it sparring, right. but you were essentially, you're trying to stop the other person from choking you out or, you know, getting you to a submission. Mm-hmm. And it forces you to face that adversity on a daily basis. And I've always right. found it just builds such great character if you're continuously facing adversity, because then you can go on you with your day and you're going to face adversity in life and say, okay, well, I've been here before. I'm going to just keep calmly working through this. So I think it's a really important message that you spoke about. Adversity actually does help build. And one of the things that I worry about with our kids, for example, is that they don't face the adversities that we faced. And so how do they learn to be resilient? You know, when they're older, we're not around and, and they need to take care of themselves, but I'm sure they will. But that's one of the things I, I kind of like, I'm glad I went through some of those things because uh, it helped me be who I am today. And so adversity is good. Maybe not at the moment, it's not good, but later on, it helps build who you are. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're glad you faced everything you faced in life because we certainly enjoy talking to the person that you are and you've, uh, you've turned into. And uh, this has been really great. I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your story. Well, thank, you. thank you. It's, for it's, me. It's, it is. It's going to really resonate with, with the audience. And I know we'll get tons of feedback on it. If people want to reach out to you and find out more about your story or what you're doing at Market Circle, what's the best way? So usually our website, marketcircle.com is a good place to learn what we're doing. And then if you need to or want to get a hold of me, you can look me up uh, on LinkedIn and, uh, and send me a message and I'll get back to you. And I can attest to the power of Market Circle and Daylight. Again, I am not functioning without it. And that is probably one of most, my most prized possessions, my Daylight, having that. So if you want to find out more, you can also reach out to me. That does it for today's episode, folks. Really enjoyed this conversation. As always, hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to reach out or give us a call at the office or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And remember, it all starts with one. Oh,